0: Hey, and welcome to the first digital noise of the new year. We, Oh ra- yeah, first.
1: Firsties. We, first <laughs> we ring in
0: 2019 with Joe, joining me as my co-host. Hello. And we have a... Not a huge amount of movies to talk about, and I'm afraid some of these ones are ones that I – at least one of these was one I, I was hoping to get in before the uh, end of the last year because it was Christmas-themed. But you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, here we are. We, I get, we get sent a lot of movies here at the Digital Noise House, and uh, sometimes something just doesn't. Make it to the top of the list. Like, for hey, meeting. pal! If
1: you wanted to be reviewed faster, be better.
0: Well, I see Joe now has a conspiracy theory that I'm saving all the shitty ones for him, and based on this week, I, I, I can totally understand. <laughs> uh, in fact, at least one of the movies we were talking about that is great, he did not get to see. That's true. <laughs> Uh, But before we get started, just big thanks to our beer sponsor, Circle Brewery. You can go visit them here in Austin, Texas, where they have a really nice tap room. You can go check out all their beers, including stuff that you can't get in the store, some bottle-conditioned beers, uh, some cast-conditioned beers, a lot of just specialty stuff they try out that's really good. But if you – I mean, our local 7-Eleven sells Circle Brewing. Yeah,
1: we're in the land of milk and honey.
0: We are. But they do – I've been told they do uh, sell stuff outside of Texas, as well. But their beers are so good. Right now, I'm drinking a Circle Blur Hefeweizen, as per usual. And Joe, what are you drinking over there? I
1: am drinking a Tuxedo Shirt Black IPA. It's smooth with that nice bite of an IPA.
0: It, it actually really is. And I'm not always the biggest IPA guy, but it's funny. When we've been doing the gathering, people over here, kind of, you know, because some weeks I have less beers than others, just based on how the week has gone before that. And so people are like, drink what's there? And people are like, well, I'm not usually into IPAs. And I had more than one person go, this shit is great. I don't usually like IPAs. And I love this. I'm like,
1: yeah, well. Open up your taste buds, people.
0: That's Circle Brewery. They are our sponsor, and you should check them out. Uh, Also, please think about becoming a subscriber. It is the way we stay putting out all this stuff. We have four tiers, $2, $5, $10, or $25, all with their own bonus content available in the forums. But the real reason to do it, despite the bonus content, and there is a lot of it on there, is because if you like this show, if you like our other shows, well, this is the only way we can keep doing it. This is a full time job times probably three worth of hours <laughs> work. It worked in on this. And honestly, it makes just enough to get, to kind of halfway get by. I still have to go do on the side, uh, various, He's uh, a
1: hitman. I have He's, to do. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm, I, I did not mean to.
0: I'm on e hit. It's an app thing you can get. It's like fiber
1: <laughs> five bucks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have to do various apps like that to be able to just pay the bills. and, Honestly, this site needs a bunch of fixes in the new year. As you know, Google is changing a bunch of shit and I gotta spend a, throw a bunch of money at it to fix it to keep the site up there. So guys, help out. Think about doing that or even just a one-time donation. It's available there on the right-hand side of the site. Uh, let me think Is there's anything else I need to mention. Yes. Digital noise also has its own iTunes feed. Now you can subscribe just to digital noise. If this is the show, we have three shows right now up that way with all of ours, eventually going to be that way. iTunes deliberations of doom and highly suspect reviews are all have their own iTunes feed right now, as well as various other sources. You can get them, including Spotify. We're all Whoa, on Spotify hey now. Isn't that fancy?
1: It is. It's going to make a playlist for me that is, it means absolutely nothing to my
0: ears. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the reviews. And we're going to start off with uh, this little horror film that was as, wow, I don't know how to say this, was deeply anticipated by the horror community before they knew anything about it just based on the cast list.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On paper, this thing should have kicked the shit out of the uh, shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's this, if you are a deep cut horror fan, pretty much Almost everyone in this thing is a recognizable or maybe not recognizable because a lot of them usually wore masks, <laughs> but, but like a, a major name on the horror circuit with Kane Hodder, Barbara Crampton, Bill Mosley, Dee Wallace, Michael Berryman, Tony Todd, Sid Haig, Adrian Barbeau, and many, 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 many others. Uh, and I was like, I remember hearing about this, going, I will be watching this movie. It's the Expendables of horrors. How they were trying to yes, sell it, as which it is says on the box, which is not a selling point for, <laughs> and shouldn't be for anyone. Because have you seen the Expendables? It's not real hey, good.
1: You know, it, it is what it is.
0: Uh, but this movie, Death House, which came out uh, exclusively on DVD. Is uh, the last film that Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface, made. Mm, he was mm. actually the writer director of this thing. Um, and, uh, and then he died before he could really get into the direction of it. It was taken over by someone else. Uh, he does, in fact, make a hologram appearance <laughs> in it at one point. <laughs> but this is very low budget sci-fi horror with a prison that's sort of like this mega prison, see super secret prison that Puts their patients, who are all irredeemable, the worst of the worst serial killers, into VR environments where they try to change their personalities to become like like to get rid of their positive reaction to horrific things and make them better reformed. Yeah, people.
1: yeah. Uh, the, the the conditioning, but to what end? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure they said it, but
0: it's not like they're going to let them go at some point. Like, oh, he's fixed.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they, they do bring up kind uh, of some, some questions with one of the characters who is seemingly a good guy about his past and was he a subject of, of these things, but you just don't
0: care. Yeah, it's like two young, hot uh, FBI agents that, for some reason, take showers together for no reason. Yeah, it's very friendly. Yeah, I was like, wait, so y'all aren't lovers or anything, but you're just like... Randomly just take a shower together just it, so we can have a hot, sexy nude scene.
1: Well, at Quantico now, uh, Starship Troopers is required watching. <laughs> <so> <laughs> <That
0: was good. laughs> nice one uh, I forgot about that yes um, so they're there uh, basically invest taking a look at b- this place being uh, toured around by uh, uh, Barbara Crampton who is the one of the main doctors and Dee Wallace who's the other one and of course there's a power failure and because no one ever thinks these things through in any sort of vaguely real life way all the cells open when oh, they, man,
1: glad that happened.
0: they're trapped in the death had the multiple levels of the death house having to fight their way out and also decide what are they going to do in the meantime for reasons that are never entirely clear there are a uh- a group of the worst of the worst ever serial killers at the very bottom level that like yes. that are talked about in like vague. Oh, we don't talk about them. They're, yeah. they're the worst <laughs> of the worst that, um, I've no idea what is happening when we finally get to meet them towards the end. Where I was like, are they supposed to be gods or something? When yes. The-
1: yes. They, they have, they are like avatars <laughs> of, uh, evil,
0: but like all the other killers while they're trying to kill the doctors and the surviving characters are trying to get away, uh, through the thing. And, avoid the, the rest of the serial killers who are led by Kane Hodder, they've decided that their whole goal is to meet up with the Satans at the, the or not the Satans, because there's the three Satans as well, who are yes. three guys who believe who that they're yes. all different versions of Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they, they all decide they have to go down and meet these their gods, and the way out is down, not up, which makes no sense, but okay.
1: Well, you, you got to get
0: under before you get over. I guess, right? Um, And this is just a collection of, you know, I'll admit, decent gore effects. Like, there's a whole sequence that is never explained at all, where they go in this room where everyone is still alive, but they have, like, no skin, and they're kind of rotting, and that (laughs) looks great! You're like, wow, these are really cool-looking... To what end?
1: Yeah, but then it's also mixed with some
0: really super shitty CG. Oh, man. Just like bottom, like beginning of sci-fi channel, like CG.
1: Yeah, you're you're, t- you're taking your 101 After Effects class, and uh, you know,
0: and, movie. And really, really, really bad acting from a lot of people, including people who I know are better than this. But part, part of it is the dialogue is written so bad. And not for like we're writing it bad intentionally for yucks sort of way. Right. This movie feels like they really thought they were making some sort of psychedelic horror masterpiece that was not supposed to be funny.
1: Well, it's it's kind of weird. Anytime we see these these collabo picks, like uh, there was that one that the Repo Man guy did with all the musicians, where it's like, okay, this is a bunch of straight like, to hell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'd think, okay, well, this should be cut. No, no, this is shit. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah it's it it's much like death house uh much like straight to hell this is there's definitely an audience for this mm-hmm. who are going to be forgiving no matter how horrible it is because they know going into it that they were going to love this no matter how shitty it actually is and certainly I went to a lot of horror sites where they were just coming all over the film and i was like what movie did you watch was there an earlier cut of this film that that i did not get said
1: well at, at least it opens up with tony todd and i love that dude so. oh dude but uh,
0: that's the thing is some of the best people like horror icons in here are barely in it like, oh yeah
1: like bill mosley is just kind of like oh is that yep no, no wait did i miss him
0: uh michael Berryman also yes have eyes guy. He's like i don't even know did he even get any dialogue no whoa he got some winks yeah. <laughs> you uh, got some head nods. I, I was just like, "This stuff. Like, oh, Lloyd Kaufman is in this as well, who actually has one of the few funny I, moments. In I, it. I actually
1: must have missed that.
0: He's like the surgeon guy. and the, there's this, Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, right. I've seen him do so many interviews over the years. I knew immediately that was Lloyd Kaufman. I was like, of course he found his way into this movie. <laughs> He's like, hey, I heard you guys are doing a horror thing. Why didn't you call me? All right, fine, Lloyd. Come on. I don't know. I. I <sighs> Maybe your I know patience is chomping at the bit to borrow this from me. Um, <laughs> I letter. she's probably gonna love it. I found it very difficult to sit through, but it certainly is a film that moves fast enough that you can laugh at it and have a good time.
1: It certainly is a film.
0: It is, and, and there is a shit ton of like hardcore, well done gore, and a shit ton of ridiculously, terribly, not no one even gave a shit about CG, mm-hmm. and a script that makes no sense that tries really hard to get someplace you've never seen before. You've never seen it because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Because it's
1: on the bottom of your shoe.
0: <laughs> it is on the bottom of your shoe. You need to scrape that shit off. All right, so a horror movie you did not get to see. And I'm actually of two minds about this uh, film. Uh, this is a, a Japanese film called Brutal that came out in 2017, and we're getting here now on Blu-ray. Um, it's divided into three parts uh called man, woman and then man and woman. No. Oh. And the first part you follow a guy named uh uh who a guy man who's just referred to as man who is uh, a psychopath who abducts women brings them back to his house torches them graphically and horrifically often there's one scene where he's just stabs a woman between her legs with a butcher knife multiple times okay there's a lot of crotch stabbing in this movie across okay. the board for the record um and he talks about them while he's like before he kills them he's always like do you understand why i'm doing this so like they're trying to set up a some degree of like this is like this guy is not just some random killer he's got a Uh, A a psychopathology that we Mm. want to expand upon, which I guess (laughs) it is so brutal. This first sequence that I almost turned it off and said, I can't watch this. It's just so misogynistic and horrific. I mean, it is one of the most graphic violent things I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, like, so graphic and violent. it's all convincing. It's all very convincing. <laughs> like, mm. they spent some money on these effects. It looks so real. You would never want to put this in your eye holes if that's not your thing. Uh, the second chapter, Woman, is a woman uh, who is a psychopath as well, who abducts men, brings them back to his place, torches them off, a- and stabs them in the crotch until they die. And this goes into a storyline where she abducts a guy Uh, she brings a guy back to her place who turns out and realizes what she does and is there because his thing is to kill other serial killers I guess and and then Mm -hmm. and then she kills him anyway and the third part is the meeting between the two serial killers which I gotta admit the third part of this I'm like oh I hate to admit it but this isn't bad (laughs) the whole film I mean like I said you gotta uh, say the core effects are incredibly well done um the acting in it is actually pretty top notch from these people they're they're playing really convincing just psychopaths and the the way that the pathology of these two serial killers mixes and merges in a a meat stab Mm -hmm. like they have a there's a sex scene with them like just fucking murdering each other while they're having sex and it's in a way penetrating and not really yeah but yeah but that's kind of the thing it's like it's like there's no penetration but now there finally is um It's this is deeply disturbing, but there's no denying that this guy has kind of a unique vision. Uh, It is for maybe two people I've ever met in my entire life. And I will certainly never go back and watch this movie again. It is way past my barriers of of stomach churning. Like, (laughs) it's just really distressing. But I got to give him credit for what he did right here. And the fact that it ends on an interesting note. It's very annoying though that like he just chose to cover up the fact that it's shot on cheap digital video by giving it a grindhouse look by adding oh. a bunch of crappy pops and stuff that are yeah. obviously also digitally added. I was like, don't, don't do that. No one should ever do that. That's like, we're done with that. Okay. Like Rodriguez did it and we all went. Yeah, I see where you're headed, but that was, no, it was a bad call. We shouldn't have done that. And like 18 people have done it since and we've all been like, will you please stop doing that?
1: Let's just take that off of After Effects.
0: We really just should take that off of After Effects altogether. But I mean, hey, maybe this is, maybe this is your type of thing. If you like this kind of extreme horror from Japan, this is one of the better ones I've seen for you people who like the guinea pig. I was going to say for stuff, all you guinea
1: pig fans. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's move on to a horror that I was actually kind of surprised. I kind of enjoyed. And maybe it's just because of the casting of Bruce Boxleitner as a biker Santa Claus, which I thought was just dead yeah. on perfect. <laughs> and plus a lo- old school Rocky horror fan here. Uh, Atar, no, I'm sorry. I said box boxleitner. Bruce Barry Bostwick, who plays yes. Brad in Rocky Horror Picture Show, plays Santa Claus. Uh, uh, there's a lot here right off the bat. I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." Bunch of very busty um uh dressing to show that off, busty, uh, minimally attractive. Yeah. <laughs> who uh have a, a a video show where they go to sort of abandoned places and shoot videos and they have a big YouTube following and there's two of them and then they're bringing their friend along who's also sexy but less busty. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, she's the practical one. She has a she has a job. <laughs> yeah. She actually has a job. I know. Well, to be fair, that sounds like these other two make a good living off their videos. I mean,
1: come well, come on. I, I, yeah, I mean, the YouTube runneth over.
0: <laughs> so in Sleigh Bells, they go to an abandoned Christmas village type theme park, which we had one of those right near my house growing up that was indeed abandoned when I was.
1: Yeah, th- that's all over the place. There's one in central Texas. There was that one in California. They're like, uh, yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, it, 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 someone thought it was a good idea at one point. No one agreed. And so now we have moldering Christmas villages. Yeah, don't you wish there.
1: you could just smell Christmas all year long? No.
0: So they go in there and they're taking pictures of them being sexy. Or not pictures, of videos of them being sexy and stuff. And uh, that something comes out and attacks them. And yes, it's Krampus and Santa Claus who still lives there, saves them. And he's who's, who's Barry Bostwick. Who's like normally just dresses up like a low rent dad biker. When, Um, When he's
1: not the mayor of New York city.
0: When he's not the mayor of New York city. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I like years ago, I decided to start this thing because like the Christmas thing was kind of waning. People didn't believe in Santa anymore. We're like, well, but this is the one place I can still be here and be witness. And it didn't really take off. And now, uh, I have to stay here because, like, I'm at e- I'm at equal balance with my negative counterpart, Krampus, which the movie actually has something I've never seen them do before with Krampus, which is like, yes, you can't do anything to Krampus that won't happen to Santa Claus and vice versa. <laughs> like, they are literally shadows of each other. And I was like, that's kind of a fun little gimmick that they, they do indeed have some fun with here. I mean – I don't want to say this is a good movie.
1: No, it's, it's once again, it's another porn quality without the fucking movie.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, I would give it a little bit better than that I, I almost wish that there hadn't been any actual nudity in this because there's little flashes of it there's not a lot
1: not a but, lot but when you see it's like uh, okay because
0: there's something about this that has the sort of like joyfulness of a burlesque show that you go to where you're like yes it's like titillating but it never goes into the realm I quite of being quite
1: dirty say that i would say it's more of a it's prime material for usa up all night
0: yeah well that is that is true um I don't know. There was enough. There was just enough going on here that was different. That and enough dialogue that I thought was actually kind of funny, especially once again from Barry Bostwick, That I kind of had fun with this. It is not going to be most people's cup of tea, but my favorite subgenre is Christmas horror. Oh, okay. This specifically being Christmas comedy horror, but th- there is some gore in here. Not a lot. What there is 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 not terribly done. The it's Krampus just, wasn't the worst thing I've seen. The Krampus looked fine. And they have fun with it. The fact they spent as much work as they did on them, and then they do really silly stuff with them, like tying him up with Christmas. There's a scene I thought was very funny where they tie him up with Christmas lights while he's unconscious, and then they take a bunch of pictures, like shoving their breasts in his face and stuff. Which I was like, "That's funny."
1: Well, at the time, you can tase Krampus. It's a good movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I like that, like I said, that thing, you taste Krampus and he's unconscious, then Santa will also become unconscious. And you're like, okay, Uh, the ending doesn't really know what it wants to do. Uh, It's just like, I guess this is over. (laughs) But there is, if you like this thing, and this is, to some degree, I enjoyed this, I think, because it's clear it's one of these things. This is all just a bunch of friends who got together to make this thing. And they all obviously really know we didn't like each other in real life and where there's tons of like the bonus features on here with them just fucking around just having a good time drinking and talking about the movie there's there's several behind the scenes things here there's one where the cast is just making christmas cookies together while talking about the movie and they're just well that's it's not really edited at all it's just kind of like we just filmed this when we were drinking on christmas eve and here we go but fair Mm -hmm. enough yeah uh, but I, like I said, for what it's worth, I thought this was kind of cute. So one you did not get to see, and I know you were like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this. I'm really excited, is Bad Reputation. Uh, this is actually on a lot of critics' lists this year for Best uh, Documentary. Yeah, awesome. I put it in my top five. Well, there we go. Uh, this is the story of Joan Jett, who is herself a major force of nature in rock and roll. Certainly, the I would argue very strongly the founder of girl rock, as it were. Um, the, the one who kind of made this a empower, very empowering thing of sort of like, bands of
1: of, uh, not being a gimmick, being a woman.
0: Yeah. Of being very serious. Like, yes, we're rockers. We're rock and roll people. We don't want to be like, like, Oh, isn't that adorable? Look at those Mm -hmm. girls doing what they do. No, they're not playing this for laughs. And this falls, of course, it, it spends. Only so much time following her with The Runaways, which obviously much was made recently with a, a biopic movie that came out of there and her contentious relationship with the total piece of shit manager for that band, mm. who was a manipulative, uh, machinating asshole. And then, of course, with uh, Sh- uh, Cherie, who was the lead well, singer that, is of that, that band, Dakota Fanning, yeah, who okay. is who was only interested in her own career, quite frankly, understandably, <laughs> Um, but then. It spends a lot more time following Joan afterwards when she got a new manager who, even though, of course, Joan is gay, um, mm-hmm. she has a relationship with this guy that's like an old married couple that love each other to death. Where, yeah, they argue sometimes, but even as they're arguing, they're like, ah, we'll be over this in like 10 minutes.
1: I <laughs> think is awesome.
0: Yeah. They squabble, but it's done clearly out of love. And this guy was like literally spent all his own personal money to put out her first album. Like, it was like, I believe in you. I'm, I'm a manager, but I'm spending my money to put out this record and like never did anything but actually stand behind her. And this is a really rare story in rock and roll. <laughs> the
1: and, manager does right by a client.
0: And watching her, like, as she goes through her career, like just person after person, and there's a lot of talking heads in this, as you might expect, um, who worked with her going, she's just an astonishing lady. She's just, incredibly collaborative. Not someone who's ever like, yeah, but this is my show. She's never one of those people, but also knows how to be the boss at the same time. Mm. And who did some pretty incredible stuff along the way to help other bands. Like she's the one who made bikini kill a thing. Like they were just getting started and she heard about them. And it's like, I really support what you guys are doing and showed up and was like, I, I would love to play with you guys or whatever you could let me do and kind of became unofficially their manager for a while, like helping them out, helping them get started, teaching them how to deal with the rock industry and how to get in. Um, with the, when the lead singer of the band, The Gets was raped and murdered, which was a horrific thing that happened mm. in Seattle, uh, uh, in the nineties, she, spearheaded a thing to like where she came in and like filled in at a benefit show as the singer for the band and then like had a whole thing about like starting this organization to not let this ever happen again type of thing this is horrific this very feminist band and this happened the worst imaginable thing She's a really incredible lady. And while this is certainly a puff piece, very little is said in the way of casting an askance eye on Joan in any way, shape or <laughs> form, which I'm, I'm sure that, that, that Could be done. she did not live a perfect life by any stretch of the imagination. It's very illuminating. I, there's a lot of stuff about Joan Jett I didn't know. Certainly that she rocks her ass off, I did know. And there's mm, yes. some there's some great rock sequences in here, but the movie is not one of those ones that wants to spend all its time just showing you a a live show. They're like, okay, here's 20 seconds of that, and now let's go back to the story. Uh, I I think this is quite good, and uh, I hope everybody actually gets a chance to uh, see this who aren't that familiar with Joan Jet and or, or at least aren't that familiar maybe with the 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 post i love rock and roll joan chat <laughs> she certainly despite not having the world's biggest collection of hits ever sure. um uh was a powerful force for rock she finally got the uh the um uh what do you call it the rock and roll hall of fame and it's really quite moving when they film her in the ceremony who is traditionally i mean like i said she's always been she's a tough chick for sure <laughs> she's yeah. super tough but with a heart of gold and watching her kind of break down, but in the Joan Jet way, where she's talking and you could never tell by her voice or her facial expression, but tears are streaming down her face. <laughs> You're just like,
1: yeah. When I was a kid, I, I always used to sing "Crimson and Clover" around my aunt because she looked like Joan Jet at the time, huh. and it would piss her off. And I could never understand why because Joan was awesome. But she was more of a Janet Jackson type of girl.
0: Ah, so. oh, fair enough. Yeah. What um, you do you do? I'll be honest. I, I like Crimson and Clever more now, but at the time, I hated it when it came out. Oh, it's super saccharine. <laughs> yeah. I was not a fan, but I do love a lot of Joan Jett. All right. So sticking on with the girl power, we have Support the Girls. This is actually made our nominees list this year that was picked by a select crew of people, which I was not one of, uh, for the Austin Film Critics Association Best Texas Made Film this year. I uh, it's It's my pick of the week. OK, honestly, uh, this is directed by Andrew Buj- uh, Bujalski, who is a Austin native uh, who has been called by some the godfather of the mumblecore movement, having worked on <laughs> films like Funny Ha Ha, which was a, a big shot across the bow for that moment. Uh, he worked on he co-wrote Hannah Takes the Stairs with Joe Swanberg. Uh, Beeswax, he directed. He directed the really good computer chess of which a lot of critics have actually been comparing to some degree this film as well. This movie, if you didn't know what it was going to be, you'd think, oh, it's a female office space. I thought it was
1: going to be, like, some coyote ugly shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, it's a really... They did a terrible job marketing this film. Well, they marketed it as a comedy. I mean, it is, Eh. but it's, like, one of those, like, it's a comedy, but in the way that, like, it's not absurd about it. They're they're not set piece piece comedy. It's real-life people seeming real, really, like, real people doing real-life stuff, having real-life problems that occasionally has funny moments in it.
1: I guess. It's it's like laughing at zits on your back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never z- laughed at those. I usually call the police. Well, that's
1: – I didn't really laugh at them either. <laughs>
0: uh, it's a story of the team that works at a, a restaurant mm-hmm. here called Double Whammies. <laughs> that is, you know, I mean, it really – it's the equivalent of the, the restaurant in office space, the Friday's knockoff except with boobs
1: well so uh it was, it was filmed across uh 35 from twin peaks mm. so I mean, that, that's basically not what not, it
0: is. not twin peaks by the way uh the the television show there's a restaurant chain here of like with a logger theme mm-hmm. called twin peaks you know for
1: all of those central texas loggers
0: <laughs> <laughs> i just i had i actually went to one of those once just because i'm such a big fan of the show i was like I just got to go with the name. I got to check this out. And sure enough, there is – I mean, they have gone out of their way to avoid even the faintest idea you could connect anything about it to that television show. So no log ladies? Yeah, there's no log – well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Regina Hall is the standout here playing the manager of the restaurant dealing with all these different girls who work in this place who have very different ideas about – what's going on in their life i mean if you've ever worked at a chain restaurant you know you ain't doing this for life this is not your thing i mean unless you're on the regina hall track which is like i'm been i've been managing this place for a long time i don't know what else i'd do quite frankly mm-hmm. but i'm starting to think maybe i should start looking her the actual owner played by james Lagrosse is a greasy slime ball mm-hmm. a uh, yeah piece of shit human being but she does her best to be the balance of trying to make things work and keep him at bay. And I actually found this kind of enchanting. Oh, um, definitely. All these ladies in this role, especially Haley Lou Richardson, who plays the kind of most upbeat of them is, are great. And Regina Hull, just watching her as she deals has to put out fire after fire, either personality based or customer based or something goes wrong in the restaurant or dealing with the, the, the their greaseball boss is, Really well done.
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure out what city it was trying to be because even though it was shot in Austin, it wasn't supposed to be Austin. No, I don't think uh, so because they, they mentioned it being off of I ten. So that's not Austin. So I'm guessing like San Antonio or Houston. But uh, that's 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 beside everything else. <laughs>
0: um. So you did. You said this is your pick of the week. It, w- mm-hmm. I mean, what about you? What about it did you love?
1: Uh, I I thought it. it, it Pretty accurately portrayed portrayed the day in the life of just uh, a fairly average person just dealing with all the shit that life can dump on you on one goddamn day.
0: Yeah, um, I've been at restaurants that were like any given day in this movie where you're yeah. like, "Fuck, this is the shit we're gonna have to deal with today," and everybody's just gonna have to get their shit together and deal with well, it.
1: And it was it was it was just so on the nose with so many things, like the the one regular who is. Who knows way more about the the organi- you know, the the operation than they should as a customer, but they actually like have a, a true affection for you and not just some sort of creepy thing.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I love that the the, the uh, actress. Oh my goodness, what is her name? I think it's Leah, yeah, Leia Delaria, who's, you've seen on a, a lot of, she's an orange is the, new, yep. is the new black, who is, who is great. She's yes. like, you yes. know, the big, well, the big trucker lesbian who hangs out at the restaurant, who they never ever turn into a joke nope. uh, for that. They're never, you keep waiting for them to do like, oh, they're going to make a trucker lesbian thing out of this. And they mm-hmm. never, it's Mm-mm. not a thing. Yep. She's a person who hangs out at that bar. I think this is a perfectly charming film that if you go into it knowing that it's not going to be an absurd comedy and are ready for it being kind of a slice of life film that is right there. Any of you guys have ever worked in a restaurant. You should watch this movie. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Yeah, Do it. All right, so next up we have Operation Finale. Man, I should have saved this for last. What was I thinking?
1: <laughs> oh, snap. Uh, okay, edit this out and cut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, yet another film about the after effects of World War II with the search for former SS officer piece of shit Adolf Eichmann. Played-
1: can you say that on the podcast? I,
0: I think I can. Oh. I don't think the uh, SS Anti-Defamation League has as much power as they used to. <laughs> Uh, played by Ben Kingsley, who just goes to show could play pretty much any role he wants,
1: and he and he did because he pretty much just played it as Ben Kingsley. I
0: mean, the guy plays he plays Indians, he plays guys who are pretending to be Indian but are, are just look, British guys. He guys plays guys Nazis. He plays he can do anything. Yeah, the, the Tootsie. Tootsie. <laughs> <laughs> Are they, if they remade it with Ben Kingsley, I would watch they it. They should. Yeah. Um, this is based on a memoir, uh, by Israeli officer Peter Malkin, uh, that is the basis of the story, which was the real search for Eichmann, because he was one of the last big ones that got away, that everyone had kind of given up on, was like, we're never gonna catch this guy, mm-hmm. who had, who had, uh, gotten away to, uh, uh, um, Argentina. Argentina, thank you. I was gonna say Amsterdam, but I knew that wasn't right. And so you've got the, in the lead for the search of the, for him is Oscar Isaac. Poe Dameron. <laughs> no, not as Poe Dameron. He's uh determined that despite Despite, you know, the Mossad going, like, we don't have time for this bullshit. We have real immediate problems going on right now. And this is a, another, like, snipe hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, we always get stories. Oh, somebody thought they saw Eichmann here and it never pans out to something. And this probably isn't anything either, except, of course, this time it actually was. Dun-dun-dun. And the film is divided into halves. The first half is really kind of like him trying to convince people this is worth your time and then searching for him. And then the second half surprise, is kind of surprising. is like, we got him right in the middle. And you're like, okay, so it's like a series of conversations. Yeah, so uh, what, how do we how do we make use of him? Yeah, yeah, what do we do now that we have him? And a lot of it is trying to convince him to just admit his crimes, <laughs> you know? Um, and the weird sort of, it's not a friendship, but the weird connection that forms between Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley's characters, which is the best part of this film.
1: Well, right, because it, it, it displays that somebody like Eichmann, uh, didn't get to be the architect of the final solution just because he, he was a hard worker who showed up every day. It's because he's a manipulative motherfucker who knows how to play people.
0: Yeah. Which is exactly what he does. And uh, Isaac, who is kind of almost like a... You know, naively boyish in a way about his optimism about this whole situation from the get-go, sort of becoming hardened by the scenario and trying to figure out how am I going to, what, are, I, I'm not going to resort to actual torture, or am I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, Melanie Laurent is in this as well. Nick Kroll, Haley Lou Richardson. Wow. Two movies with Haley Lou Richardson. Mm. I didn't even catch that. I, I think this is okay. I, I certainly understand. There's more than enough action films lately about the hunt for Nazis, mm-hmm. and they're like, we can't make that movie.
1: We have to make no, it. this. This has to be like a, a serious take on.
0: This yeah, this film. has to be a, a drama, a character based drama. And I think I more admire what they're trying to do than admit that they pulled it off because I'm not sure they did really.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that they did either.
0: It's very mixed feelings, but there's a point where I really, quite frankly, was starting to just lose interest. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this has been going on for a while, and uh, it doesn't feel like it's really going anywhere. It's kind of meandering I me. Admittedly, like, the second half is considerably better than the first half, which really meanders. I think
1: part of it was because they were never able to truly establish what was at stake.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, they,
1: like, "Why is it so goddamn important?" They like, don't I, I get it superficially, but why?
0: They don't really deal with that aspect of it that much at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's Operation Finale. I, I, I feel weird about this one because I feel like I should have more to say about it, and I just don't.
1: No, I, I mean, if you got spare time and it's streaming, why not?
0: Uh, our next film is Night School, which I was kind enough not to make Joe watch. <sighs> Love me some Kevin Hart. I'll, I'll be honest. I you guys know me. I can't stand Kevin Hart. I, I did like <laughs> Jumanji 2, but it wasn't because of Kevin Wait, Hart being you, in it. No. Mm. Have you seen Jumanji 2? Yes. It's really good. No. No, it is. No. It's so good. How dare you. Jumanji 2. You sure you saw this movie? You sure you're not thinking I of Zarathustra or whatever mm, it is? Or, I know. I don't know what it was called. But uh, this was directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who is one of those directors who's made quite a few films that looked like they were going to be awful and ended up being quite good, uh, using very specifically African American community, like *Undercover Brother*, which I still insist is a billion times better than any of the Austin Powers films. God, so great, uh, uh, but Macy Gray with, with pork porkchop sideburns. It's it's Austin Powers, but about but with black exploitation, mm-hmm. and it's so much funnier than anything in the Austin Powers films. Um, or *Roll Bounce*, which is his story about sort of like ro- ro- uh, roller skating in the seventies, but what was going on with the African-American sector of that, mm-hmm. which is great. It's still, I say the best roller skating movie ever made next to Xanadu. I know. Yeah.
1: Obviously. Starlight Express.
0: Uh, our girls trip, which a lot of people really enjoyed. And even I admit, despite some I- issues I had with the occasional unnecessary gross out joke, which always drives me crazy, was not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I went into night school going, here we go. I mean, at least it's got Tiffany Haddish in it. Who's great. And I do tend to like the uh, the ensemble type comedies where it's like not just about the one guy, mm-hmm. but it's really about a whole group of misfits. I mean, that feels very 80s comedy to me. Who are some of the other misfits? All right. So well, first off, let me just say, Kevin Hart, he dropped out of high school. He was a real douchebag in high school. He's like, I'm going to make it no matter what and he basically gift of gab ended up hooking up with like totally hot chick who is very successful herself. So uh, he's like, "Yeah, I'm making it largely cuz I hooked up with that chick." But uh well, but he's also I mean, he's the necessary. top salesman at a barbecue grill place where they love the shit out of him. The owner's like, propane or charcoal? <laughs> "The owner's like, I'd look at you as my own son. Uh the son I didn't have." He's like, "But your son's right over there." He's like, "Yeah, but he kind of sucks." <laughs> <laughs> um you're like, "Okay," And the he accidentally burns the store down. Man. Oh man, it's a doodle. And he's like, okay, well someone's like his friend's like, I can get you a job, but you have to get your GED. That's the bare minimum. They won't even consider hiring you if you don't have your GED. So it's like, I guess I gotta go back to night school, where the guy he used to bully is now the principal, uh Terran Kill Killum, uh, who does still does not like him whatsoever. Uh, and he's told, no, you can't, we have no night school. And then uh, Tiffany Haddish, who's the night school teacher, is like, what are you talking about? Of course we have a night school. You can come in and you be one of my students. So enter the rest of the night school people, which has got like Rob Riggle. In it, okay. Who I like Rob Riggle. He's not always, doesn't always make the best choices, but he tends to be well used <laughs> well, he in things. has to
1: take all the shots.
0: Uh, Romany Malco, who is one of those guys you're like, who? But he was in like Weeds, uh, uh, No Ordinary Family. He's one of those actors you're like, oh yeah, I've seen him. He's in the Forty Year Old Virgin. He was the the black guy in the Forty Year Old Virgin okay. of the team. He's that guy you like. You see him, you're like, oh, I know that guy. Um, uh, 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 Al Magical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's just a ma- uh, a magical name Who's on Jon Stewart Mary Lynn Rashcub, One of the most unfortunate names ever uh, who's, She's a great comedian But people know her better from 24 for some reason Yes <laughs> uh, Ann Winters And uh, Fat Joe
1: Oh, the Fat Joe
0: Yeah, the Fat Joe Who plays like the guy who's who's uh, tele- with, with- pro- Teleschooling in with a laptop Because he's in jail
1: Did he do any leaning?
0: Leaning like a cholo, I don't know what that it means. is. One of his songs. Okay, I don't. I would not know these things. Well, I know. Sorry, I, know. I'm, I apologize to everyone out there for being culturally ignorant. <laughs> being like a cholo, <laughs> but yeah, each one of them is like they're all broken people. And honestly, the movie kind of sucks until we get to them, and then that side cast is genuinely, actually, kind of funny and has some funny moments. The movie shies away from some of the obvious bad choices that a lot of movies like this tend to make. But at the same time, it's not really breaking any ground you haven't seen before. There's no surprises other than this ensemble cast actually works relatively well together. Any genuine laughs? Yeah, two or three. Okay. Yeah, there were two or three laughs in this that I was like, I'm surprised that that actually made me laugh out loud. That was kind of funny. <laughs> But that's not enough for a comedy like this. And you're sitting through a lot of Kevin Hart mugging at the camera. And this Mm -hmm. is another one of those learn your lessons. I mean, it feels so 80s. This is summer school. You know, this is something else like that where it's like, okay, it's it's a wacky comedy with some risque stuff. But ultimately, it's about like everyone learns an important lesson. And I don't know. I just I, 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 I can't hate this movie. It's not hateable. Is it's nothing it's a, not
1: bad enough to be hated.
0: No, it's it really isn't. At no point I was like going, God, I fucking hate this movie. But it's just so middle of the road it's just not really trying very hard at any given point. There's so many cliches like there's a point they go to the the actual high school prom mm-hmm. and so they go and they're doing a bunch of all the old people dancing like doing all the super elaborate dancing I suspect often with stunt people uh, doing it for them that's like uh, this is I don't need to watch this. this is a thing that I, we all knew was going to happen at some point and now here it is I don't know. It's okay. There's a lot of bonus features of the usual sort of gag type bullshit, but... Um, you know,
1: except for the prom thing, I could have sworn you were talking about our next
0: movie. <laughs> well, our next movie is Smallfoot, which I'm actually surprised to hear you say that, because uh, Smallfoot, this uh, 3D CG musical comedy uh, adventure film from Warner Animation Group... I found moderately charming. I found,
1: why the fuck was this?
0: <laughs> I think part of it is I like that they clearly were cribbing from a, trying to do a CG version of the sort of Rankin-Bass look. That like, yeah,
1: okay, I'll give you that. And
0: I have I have big soft spot in my heart for the whole Rankin-Bass look, for sure.
1: Well, I have a big soft spot for uh, King James, a.k.a. LeBron
0: James. Oh, uh, I thought you were, were getting into a the biblical Bible. discussion. Yes. All of I yes. was like, "Wait, what? What's happening no, now?" The
1: only thing that I enjoyed from this movie is the fact that here's here's the big takeaway, people: the greatest of all time, LeBron James, is one of the voices as a side character. He, okay, now go.
0: He is indeed. Uh, Channing Tatum plays Migo, who is a young yeti who lives way up above the clouds on a tall mountaintop. Uh, and they're they have a whole elaborate community and an elaborate mythology, including mm-hmm. a mythological leader who tells them all these things. Including, like, every morning, uh, Channing Tatum's dad, played by Danny DeVito, has to basically launch himself head first into a giant bell which summons the sun to come up above the clouds. oh,
1: so, so. you get out of here, you damn snail.
0: Uh, but, uh, Tatum's character, Miga, who's way into life in this village, who just loves the shit out of it, kind of stumbles across a conspiracy theory inside of it that there exists such a thing as small feet. See, it's weird. He's genuine, but also stupid. (laughs) That's true. Um, So, yeah, he basically, it's a reverse Bigfoot thing or Yeti thing where it's like, oh, humans are the mythological creature. But they believe their whole – the clouds is like literally it. There's nothing under the clouds. So there's no below – below that but mm-hmm. he accidentally ends up falling into the below that finds a human who uh, they can't actually speak he hears his voice as like high squeaky stuff and the human hears his voice as giant monster roars but basically abducts him and takes him back up to above the clouds to show everyone look it's, it's not and it disrupts their entire society like Fuck
1: it, shit up.
0: you know it's funny This movie, at first, I was kind of getting annoyed with what its message was because I'm like, "Is your message going to be? Sometimes it's better just to let people be stupid and believe their bullshit religious stuff, even if it hurts them." Yeah, no, and and then it and then it actually finds a solution to go. No, it's not better to do that.
1: No, I was pretty sure at the beginning that it was going to be like, "Hey, if you if you need to raise a skeptic child, show them this." I just, I just, mm.
0: I like that. Eventually, it came down on the side of compassionate skepticism somebody mm-hmm. was like, wow, I, maybe that was part of why I enjoyed this. Because, But I was like, that's actually a pretty complex message that they go down through like all the reasonings through to mm-hmm. get to the final point of like, no, like skepticism is important, but you got to remember to not be a dick about it. Yes. <laughs> Which I agree with. I, I get very annoyed at some of the atheists and skeptics I see on my feed who are just like. If you're a religious, you're a fucking water-headed moron. I'm like, well, you shut the fuck up. You're not doing anyone any favors.
1: That's okay. They, they're miserable people.
0: And, uh, I suspect some of them are. I'm not going to speak for them. but
1: uh, <laughs> I say that as, as many of them being my very close friends. I know. And I have, me being one of them. <laughs> I have several
0: very close friends who are so mean about it. And I'm just like, okay, just don't say that to any of my friends who are religious and we'll get along fine. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I do I'll,
1: I kind of like this. Well, you know me. I, I really hate musicals. So... Uh,
0: that, oh, yeah. I like the songs. There's not a lot of them. Well, that's the
1: weird thing is that, like, you're viewing options. One of them is the sing-along, but
0: nobody knows <laughs> these songs. No, well, I mean, that's why they have the little bouncing snowball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. sing along. But,
1: but that's certainly not a first-watch thing. No. Like, I don't think when you press play, that's when you should be prompted. It should be in, a, in like, a, the extras section.
0: Sure. That's for kids who have, like, are too, like, who are dumb enough to want to sing along to a small foot, but not smart enough to figure out, like, with how a menu system works.
1: I just feel sorry for the kids who, who are, you know, economically challenged and this is the one Blu-ray they got. And so they are going to learn all the words.
0: (laughs) I mean, certainly this is not like one of those things. I mean, there's a lot of great animated movies out there that are designed for kids, but also have a lot of material for adults. And this is not like a go-to first pick of that stuff by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, if you have kids, you're probably constantly trying to entertain them. And with stuff that's not going to make you want to rip your eye holes out because you're going to have to watch it 30 times in Smallfoot isn't a terrible choice for that. I,
1: it kind of made me feel like there must be some super special literal physical club in Hollywood where the only way you can gain access is if you were a voice actor in one of these things. Right, like and otherwise, nope. Sorry, I don't give a shit who yeah, you are. The
0: club is called Easy Paycheck.
1: It's like o- Obama. <laughs> you can't come in until you've been in one of these things. I
0: still, I, I've always. The one thing that bugs bugs me is because there's a lot of like professional voice actors out there who are extremely yes. good at what they do. Yeah. and. End up. Uh, these are the people who should be in these things. Absolutely. Why do we need Channing Tatum voicing these characters? I mean, really. I mean, no. do, you, do you cast Channing Tatum because of the sound of his voice? That, no. Yes, that unique sound. <laughs> yeah, the beautiful ringing cadences of the of the Tatum. No, Charming Potato is there for his giant meat hooks.
1: Like I think. I think the only one who I would say you had to absolutely have, other than LeBron James, is is Danny DeVito. Yeah, well, he's he's never going to get a DeVito voice. No,
0: DeVito DeVito is DeVito. He's like got such a super distinctive voice, but so but you agree with me. Like, so many of these films are just loaded with like pop stars and stuff like that. You're like, there's no reason that this shouldn't be like the top. I mean, this would be so much better of a film if it had the top names that exist in the business Mm -hmm. that like Maurice LaMarche and people like that doing the voices. You're like, why aren't these guys who are the best in the world doing this? Because we're just all that stupid. The name recognition means enough to sell something thing. Yeah. Like, people are, oh, Channing Tatum, I love Channing Tatum. You will never once think about Channing Tatum during this whole movie despite the fact that he voices the lead character. Yeah, no, it's just like, oh, yeah, he yeah, that's him. Mm, okay. Okay, then. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I Like I said, I still thought this was cute, um, but it ain't for everyone, especially for people who don't like to see Yeti singing, who have a cold, dead heart like Joe over here. It's, it's not cold. It's yeah, I keep it alive so I can still feel pain. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. You sound like a Nine Inch Nails song. Pretty <laughs> <Too> much. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for Digital Noise this week. Thank you, Joe, once again for joining me. Uh, I will be back in about another week and a half with another show with a stack of, of cra- some pretty crazy titles to talk about. Y'all are going to be really you're going to be weirded out by some of the shit we're talking about on the next show. And I think you were probably a little weirded out about some of the shit we talked about on this one, <laughs> but uh, please use those links on the page uh, at oneofus.net on a, on this digital noise page. There's images of all the movies that we talked about. If you click on any of those to buy the movies or in fact, buy anything from Amazon to start from those images, we get a nice little kickback from Amazon. So please do that. And until then uh, we'll see you next time.